Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about writers. George Orwell, Pablo Neruda, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, just some of the 20th century's greatest writers who, for a time, called Catalonia home. There's a great love of literature here. One of the biggest days of the year is, of course, San Jordi, when people buy books and roses for loved ones, and a great tradition of Catalan writing, something we've chatted about before on Filling the Sink. But today it's all about writers from elsewhere, from around the world, who were inspired to move to Catalonia, to spend some time here, and to write. Coming up, Tig Prendeville from Barcelona Literary Tours takes our very own Killian Shields around the city. And here with me in Filling the Sink HQ today is Christina Tomas-White. Hi, Christina. Hey, Lurkin. How's it going? Going very well. Uh, as we were doing our research, Christina, for this episode, you mentioned you've got your own personal connection to Catalonia's international literary heritage. Uh, tell us about that. Well, yes, I do have a connection. So actually, the school that I went to is a small little American school uh, in Barcelona, which during the Spanish Civil War was a sanatorium for injured Republican soldiers. Among them, if you've read Homage to Catalonia, you'll know that Oral was shot through the throat and ended up in Barcelona for a while at my school. At your school. Uh, so George Orwell, yeah, one of the most uh, famous George writers. George Orwell went to my school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you didn't know that at the time? Was no, that the no, no, no. We had no idea. So years after I graduated, uh, my mom, who's still a teacher there, she told me that the Orwell Society had reached out to the school to be like, hey, uh, this is where... Orwell had uh, spent time at the sanatorium. And so every few years, Orwell's son comes and gives talks there. And it was actually my first video I ever did for Catalan News was an interview with Richard Blair. Very good. And you brought your copy of Homage to Catalonia along with you. And uh-huh. it's, signed it's signed by George Orwell's song. Yes, yes, yes. There we go. A little bit of history to start off the podcast. Orwell, born 1903, is probably the prime example of a writer who came here during the Spanish Civil War, maybe along with Hemingway. Uh, We'll hear lots more about them on our tour later, but they weren't the only ones, Christina. No, they they definitely weren't. Um, There were plenty of left-leaning writers who came to Spain and and Catalonia during the Civil War because they they were interested in what was happening here, or some of them even became involved in the conflict, as Orwell did. Um, And then many of them became disillusioned with the infighting that they saw, and this would mark their later works. Yeah. I mean, one example of someone who was here, uh, I mentioned them right at the start of the podcast, is the Chilean poet Pablo Neruda. Mm-hmm. Who was a lifelong communist. And uh, he only lived in Barcelona for about a year before moving to Madrid. But he was very much involved in the literary scene here. And he was friends with poets such as Federico García Lorca. Who himself was shot during the war. Right, right. And and he helped many Republican um, refugees escape to Chile aboard the Winnipeg, which was mentioned in Isabel Allende's latest book. Okay, so that's a Chilean novelist as well, you know, famous around the world. So all these different literary connections. Yeah, yeah. John Dos Passos is another name associated with this era. Right, so he's an American writer. Uh, he's known for a trilogy of books called USA. He came here during the Spanish Civil War War. He was actually involved in filming a documentary that was supposed to um, garner support for the Republican side. 
but he ended up becoming disillusioned with what he saw here after his friend was executed by Stalinists. Interestingly enough, when he was here in Barcelona, he met with Luis Companys, who was the Catalan president at the time. He was then executed. Right, as well as uh, André Unín, uh, who was a very prominent communist, who was also executed, and he also knew Orwell. Right, okay. And although they mightn't get as much prominence, maybe, as, you know, men like Orwell and Hemingway, there was women uh, journalists and writers who were active here during the Spanish Civil War as well, Christina. Yeah, no, there were a lot of them who came and many of them who actually, you know, participated in the war themselves, such as Simone Weil, a French writer and philosopher who enlisted in the anarchist Durruti column during the war. Um, though, uh, as many other writers who came at the time, her experiences um, during the war here moved her to pacifism. And she's known for books such as Waiting for God or The Need for Roots. Another writer from this period is Muriel Rukeser, who it was a poet, an American poet, though one of her novels was recently published called Savage Coast about her experiences in Barcelona when the war broke out. So she was a journalist who was sent to cover the People's Olympiad, which was, you know, the the alternative to the 1936 Berlin Games that were supposed to take place in Barcelona. Um, but then the war broke out, and that that was something that really impacted her writing. Okay, we'll have a list of all these names on our website as well. So don't worry if you're not noting them all down and you want to check them out later. Now, did you know that Barcelona is a UNESCO city of literature since 2015? Well, it's the perfect spot for a literary tour, I would say. Uh, luckily, we've got one for you right now. Tyg Prendeville from Barcelona Literary Tours is our guide. And he's with Killian Shields. And we join them in a small square in the Gothic quarter of the city's old town. So here we are now in the centre of Barcelona, just off Plaza San Felipe Neri, avoiding the school children who've come out for their break and make a bit of noise. And I'm here with Taig. Um, tell us, why is it that we've started here? Well, uh, first off, there's, uh, there's a remote Irish, there's a little bit of an Irish connection here. So there's uh, the writer Colm Tobin. He, he spent a lot of time in Barcelona and Catalonia in general. His very first novel, The South, was set in a mix of Ireland, in Barcelona and up in the Pyrenees as well. In, in the beginning of this novel, The South, it's about a woman who, who abandons her, her child and her husband because she has a very unhappy life in her own, so she comes to Barcelona to become an artist. When she first arrives, she doesn't really know many people and she's struggling with the language, so she finds uh, Plaza de San Felipe Neri, a peaceful place to come and, and relax, so I guess there's a few less. A peaceful place? It's, yeah. it's a bit ironic now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she finds it a, a calming area, but yeah, with the school children in the background, maybe hard to imagine in the moment. Uh, and this is this is actually a, a very away from literature. This is a very historic place as well, no? Yeah. So in, in Plaza de San Felipe Neri, there was um, the second worst bombing of the entire civil war in in Barcelona. In fact, many school children uh, died, so just to make it even more tragic. Although in the south, uh, by Colm Tobin, it doesn't address too much. There's an, another Irish writer, Louis Magnice. He visited Barcelona a few times during the, the Civil War and is a, a long poem, the, the Autumn Journal, and, and he has some great passages about the, the bombing raids in Barcelona as well. And another, another writer with no Irish connection is an American, uh, Langston Hughes, who's a poet who, who also uh, spent some time in Barcelona during bombing raids and, and has, a, has some great poetry about the effects uh, they had on the city and, and the people as well. Perfect. So now, Tyke, we are here on La Rambla Boulevard. Tell us where 
exactly we are, what we're standing in front of, and how come we're here. So we're near the top of Ramblas, and uh, we're outside the Rivoli Hotel, uh, which is next door to uh, Café or Restaurant Mocha. We're here to talk about George Orwell who famously uh, visited Barcelona during the Spanish Civil War as a volunteer to fight. And um, if you read his book, Amish the Catalonial, you'll know that uh, his experience in the trenches on the front line on the Aragon front were very, very boring. He'd come here with the express desire to kill a fascist that, that, that went unmet. But um, when he was sent back to Barcelona for a few days of rest and recuperation, there was some internal chaos um, between the, the left-wing factions in Barcelona. Mainly the anarchists and communists were two of the, the primary players. And Orwell's side was kind of caught in the, the middle of, of this chaos. And uh, him and his unit were in the Hotel Rivoli when they were attacked by some communist-backed policemen who, who took over the, the Mocha next door. The two groups had a kind of a comical exchange where um, Orwell's group realized they were slightly uphill and ended up rolling grenades uh, down the hill to try to time them to explode outside the, the Café Mocha. They uh, eventually realized they wouldn't be able to take it over without risking their own lives, so they offered a truce to the policemen in Mocha. They said a truce sounded good, but that the grenades had destroyed one of their rifles so that they needed to be replaced. So Orwell's group said that was no problem, but they needed something in return. So the policemen offered them a crate of beer and they made a deal. It, it sounds almost comically peaceful. Does, like These people were ready to kill each other one minute and now replacing each other's rifles and giving each other beer the next? There's actually a, a line um, in, in a Hemingway book, For Whom the Bell Tolls, where, where a character describes these events in Barcelona as comic opera. In the end, uh, Orwell thought finally he'd see some action in Barcelona and he got sent across the street from the Hotel Rivoli to the Teatro Poliorama with, with his rifle, some wine, some cheese and a stack of Penguin Classics books. And, uh, Wine and cheese, obviously the most necessary elements here in war. Yeah, yeah essential. And he said, uh, I was in no danger. I suffered from nothing worse than hunger and boredom. Yet it was one of the most unbearable periods of my whole life. So if this was history, it, it, it does not feel like it. <laughs> Orwell's time in Spain came to a rather abrupt end because this infighting, when it eventually when things calmed down, the group, the Pum that Orwell was a, a member of took the fall for this infighting and they, they, were, they were blamed for it. And so members of, of his group were being arrested. His wife, Eileen O'Shaughnessy, was staying in the hotel near the top of Rambla where, where he was staying while he was away at the front lines and, and um, actually got wounded and was in hospital. And they raided her hotel room and she uh, decided to stash the, his journals underneath the, the mattress of the bed and sit on the bed, gambling on the idea that the Spanish secret police were too polite to ask an English woman to move off the bed, and she was right. So without her in input, we might never have gotten homage to Catalonia and, and then maybe not even Animal Farm or, or 1984. So as well, R Ramblas um, is a very different street nowadays to, to how it was in the past, and it used to be more the main, the main avenue for locals to do their shopping and just, just spend some time, go for a stroll, and they had the exotic bird market further down the street. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who'd spent some years uh, living in Barcelona, he had a few short stories set here, has a great moment where he has Pablo Neruda, a fictional version of him as a character, strolling up Ramblas, and as he's passing the exotic bird market, he starts speaking Chilean slang to the Chilean birds in the, in the cages. So, Tyg, we've moved indoors now. Where are we? So we're now in Boada's Coctelleria, and just off Ramblas on the corner with uh, Calle Tayers. It's a famous historical cocktail bar. That's something you can notice the personality immediately upon walking in here. I mean, first of all, the light fixtures, but as well, the smell, I noticed it immediately. You can smell the history in this place. 
Which kind of uh, writers spent their days drinking cocktails here? Maybe unsurprisingly, uh, one of the, the more associated names with international writers of Spain is Ernest Hemingway. And uh, he didn't have too much to write about Barcelona. There's a little bit of war journalism. But what he did like to do uh, while he was here was, um, was to drink. So he used to come to several bars, the Boadas, uh, London Gin Bar, apparently, and also Bar Marseille, uh, the absent bar um, near the Filmoteca in Raval. So behind the bar, we can see this large-scale drawing, painting, and I'm going to speak to one of the bar men here. First of all, what's your name? I am Gregory. Nice to meet you. Thanks very much. So what's the picture that we're looking at behind the bar? Yeah, it's uh, the Boadas in the past. Also, it's Mr. Hemingway there. You see how spend the time from the past until now is the same. All the the people they want to be happy, to have a great cocktails, and it's very important to book the customers to be like this, eh? to be always funny. <laughs> Gregory, thank you so much. Thank you a lot. So Hemingway's writing, a lot of his writing was more focused on places like Madrid or Segovia or Pamplona, but um, one of his more famous short stories is set um, in a Catalan town, in a train station just, just to the north of uh, Tarragona. Um, the story is called Hills Like White Elephants, and it's a famous story about uh, abortion, which they famously don't mention the word abortion once, but it's very obvious what they're talking about. But uh, as well, Hemingway, while he was in Spain during the Civil War, a lot of time he wasn't alone. He was with the woman who became his third wife, uh, Marta Gellhorn who um, said herself that she came to Spain with no intention to write, although she had a press pass when she came in. She came during the war, or before the war, or when? During the war. Um, she came over after Hemingway to, to have a bit of adventure. She, was, she found her life too boring, I guess. And uh, she was hanging out in a hotel one day, and um, someone told her she had to contribute, and she couldn't just be a tourist during the war. So she, she was already writing some fiction, so she started writing journalism as well. And she has some great articles... Particularly, there's a great one about Barcelona, about the bombing raids. She opens the article on um, describing a, a perfect uh, bright blue sky like we're used to seeing here in Barcelona. But she describes it as perfect bombing weather. And she does a tour of the city, interacting with locals and, and uh, describing their experience. And it's kind of a timeless bit of, bit of journalism. And uh, it, it was the beginning of her own career as a war correspondent that, that went on through the decades, through, the, through World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War. You can find various articles online, but there's a, a collection of a lot of her war journalism called, called The Face of War. So back outdoors, back out in the elements, and we've come to the Raval neighbourhood. Uh, tell us, Tyg, what are we standing in front of here? Yeah, so we're here on Calle de Tallers, and we're outside number 45. And um, if you're walking by this neighborhood and you look up, you might see a plaque dedicated to Roberto Bolaño, the Chilean writer who kind of grew up in Chile, spent some time uh, as young adult life in Mexico, traveled around a lot and ended up settling in Barcelona and eventually up the coast um, in the small beach town of uh, Blanes for basically the second half of his life. What kind of works did he have that touched on Barcelona or Catalonia? So he had a, he had a lot of short stories he wrote and um, one of his uh, two more famous novels, The Savage Detectives, has some sections in Barcelona and in, in locations like uh, Castle de Fels and a few beaches along the coast. And in his short stories, the narrator of his stories is often himself, just, just kind of without saying it. And um, a lot of the characters end up living in, in this apartment, for example, or in an apartment he lived on in Gran Via, or even the house he had, one of the houses he, he was in, uh, in, on, in Blanes. And this street is a street that's very famous for its, its record shops and, um, I guess, kind of second-hand clothing stores and kind of a, a more hipster street or part of the Latin quarter. So it's kind of, I guess, by just name-dropping name the street, you can maybe give a lot of subtext to people who have some of the background of, of the area as well. Moving country, but staying in the same continent as Bolaño, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yeah, so um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, he lived here for about seven or eight years, 
uh, shortly after he published 100 Years of Solitude, so he was quite famous at that point and had a lot of success. And he was having, he was a journalist, worked as a journalist back home and having a bit of trouble from the local dictators in Latin America. So he decided to come to Spain. Um, what year did he come here? It was 1967, and he swapping uh, one dictator for another. Yeah, and I guess as long as he wasn't writing articles, he was he was probably felt he was safe. And he, while he was here, he was writing a book called The Autumn of the Patriarch. It's not a long book, but it's only about 200 pages. But it took him a long time to write it because it's very complicated. It only has six chapters in the book, but uh, extreme long sentences. With the longest sentence being about uh, 32 or 34 pages, depending on which version you're. Uh, reading. So it's not maybe a book to read on the beach or on the metro, but uh, it's a really great read if you can get into it. It wasn't necessarily coincidence that, that two famous Latin American writers spent some time living in Barcelona. It's that Barcelona was a, a big publishing center. Grupo Planeta, had their, which is the biggest Spanish-language publisher, had their headquarters in Barcelona. It's a beautiful building on diagonals with uh, plants overflowing the edge of it. So a lot of writers were coming here for that. But as well as that, there was a famous literary agent, called, uh, a Catalan lady called Carmen Balsés. But she represented both of these guys, as well as a bunch of other Latin American writers, including uh, Mario Vargas Llosa, who also spent some time in Barcelona, and as well as uh, Isabel Allende and some more local writers like Manuel Vasquez Montalban, who's famous for his detective stories. She was uh, a bit of a, a larger-than-life character, a force of nature that they all loved, so they would have nicknames for her and... Manuel Vasquez Montalban used to call her a super agent and uh, Mario Vargas Llosa gave her a nickname based on a story by Gabriel Garcia Marquez and called her Barcelona's Big Mama. <laughs> I love that so much. Great stories there, great characters, amazing history and of course all that wonderful literature that came out of it. Uh, thanks to Killian and uh, thanks to Tyg Prendeville. If you want to check out one of his tours, it's barcelonaliteratours at gmail.com. They mentioned Calm to Bean there. I mean, we've uh, quite an Irish overload in this podcast, Christina. We've got me, Killian, Tyke, and, uh, and talking about one of the writers there I mentioned was Calm to Bean. And um, I have to say, his book as well, Homage to Barcelona, obviously the title itself, a bit of a homage to Orwell, uh, is a very good introduction uh, to Catalonia. You know, it talks about Gaudí. It's not, a, it's, it's not fiction. It's kind of more the author's uh, personal account of him moving to Barcelona and uh, his experiences and then weaved into that like lots of descriptions of the art and the architecture you've got lots of Gaudí, Picasso, Miro I like as someone who's come here like seeing other people's experiences of coming here and uh, while he arrived you know just as the dictatorship was ended and there was all this movement I arrived and we had a global pandemic which you know I don't think anyone's going to read my memoirs for the time (laughs) (laughs) Seems to be a thing with Irish people coming over (laughs) Um, just a shout out as well for the Roberto Bolaño book that they mentioned, The Savage Detectives. It's a, it's a great book. And some of the scenes, there's one scene which takes place in a nudist beach uh, just north of Barcelona. And it's just surreal, a kind of a, a modern day jewel with swords and everything. A little bit further up the coast, we've got the Costa Brava and Truman Capote actually wrote the novel there, Christine? Yeah, or at least wrote part of it in cold blood. He wrote part of it in Palamos, this small little town in the Costa Brava. And this book is considered to be one of the first true crime novels. And it was there in the 60s. And this is the kind of time when a lot of foreigners were kind of discovering the Costa Brava, like actors, you had Hollywood actors coming over and everything. Bit different to how it is now, uh, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, I imagine it would have been a little bit less crowded. We've talked about a fair few... Latin American authors and Barcelona was 
has been a real hub for uh, Latin American literature, hasn't it? Yeah, especially around the time of Spain's transition to democracy, but even before then. So Gabriel García Márquez, as um, Taig mentioned, moved here in 67. That's before Franco died. He lived in Barcelona in Serria, in the same neighborhood as Mario Vargas Llosa, Peruvian writer. Um, they were friends for a while at least they were friends for a while but they kind of had a bit of a falling out (laughs) yeah I mean if you want to google a picture of Gabriel Garcia Marquez with a black eye um, you will find out why (laughs) (laughs) yeah the photos uh, he's got a big grin on it so he doesn't look too put out but yeah yeah they fell out had a bit of uh, fisticuffs and uh, but um, it was mentioned there by Ty Gerler as well that Carmen Balsales this Catalan literary agent was was kind of key to a lot of these uh novelists getting their works published. Yeah, and, and so Isabel Allende, she was first published by um, Carmen Balsés too. So. so yeah, it's not just the people that lived here that were influenced by the literary scene here, if you like. It goes beyond that, doesn't it? Another Latin American who lived in exile uh, here in Catalonia was Eduardo Galeano. Yeah, you might remember um, the time that Hugo Chavez gave uh, Obama a book during this big summit, and it became an overnight sensation. It was a book by Eduardo Galeano, so the open veins of Latin America. He didn't write this here, I must say, but he, it's one of his most famous works. And then he uh, and then he lived here in, in Pineda de Mar. Yeah, our president's hometown. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And another Uruguayan, Cristina Perry Rossi, exiled here as well. Yeah, she first came to Spain in 1972, but actually this is when Franco was still alive. So um, she had to flee to France for a couple of years because the Franco regime decided to cooperate with the Uruguayan one. But then she came back to Barcelona and she still lives here to this day. And I mentioned right at the top of the podcast that that St. Jordi's Day, uh, St. George's Day, is actually the, the you know the biggest day of the year when it, for readers, but also booksellers, the whole publishing industry. And one of the kind of nice features of it is that a lot of international writers come to Catalonia and sign books and stuff. So keep an eye out for that. It's the 23rd of April. If you're in Catalonia around then, then uh, do make sure and check it out. You might find your, your favourite author. Christina, before we finish up, I thought it would be nice just to mention a few contemporary writers as well, you know, give them a shout out. So um, anyone's to look out for? Yeah, so we've got yet another Christina, Christina Rivera <laughs> Garza, the third Christina. the theme. We've got <laughs> yeah, it's a, a very podcast common full of uh, Christinas and Irish people today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this she, is Christina, sorry, I was talking over you, Christina <laughs> Rivera Garza. Right, who's a Mexican writer who's currently in Barcelona. She doesn't usually live here, but she's here... I'm not sure if it's on a scholarship or a fellowship. Uh, She is known for writing about her home country, Mexico. One of her most recent books is uh, Liliana's Invincible Summer, which will be out in English this year, about her sister's murder. Another author you may be familiar with, I think he's quite well known in the French-speaking world, Mathias Enach, who wrote... Rue des Voleurs, or The Street of Thieves, um, about a young Moroccan uh, man who ended up living in Barcelona around the time of the Arab Spring, or the Quince Eme movement. Um, And then there's also Denise Duncan. I don't think we've mentioned any playwrights, so (laughs) here we've got one, who's from Costa Rica, but who has lived in in Barcelona for a while. She studied at Instituto del Teatro, which is a pretty well-known theater school here. As I said, all the names that we've mentioned, you can find them on our website on the show notes for this podcast. So you can check them out and get stuck in. Christina, any recommendations out of all the writers that we mentioned today? 
Um, well, I did really enjoy uh, Isabel Allende's book, A Long Paddle of the Sea, which um, much of it takes place in Barcelona and um, other parts of Catalonia. You know, they mentioned Manresa, too. Uh, of course, you know, if you're into literature, Orwell is a classic. I'm, I'm really, I do really want to read uh, Cristina Rivera Garza's latest book. I read a piece that she published in El País not too long ago, which I found really interesting. So uh, I do want to check her out. Okay, well, uh, top of my to-do list is, would you believe, Orwell's Homage to Catalonia? I've read uh, I've read some of his other books, but um, that one, still have to get right to that. It's so okay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're making room for some of the lesser-known writers that we've mentioned. Yeah, today. yeah, that's it, that's it. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week? Está escrito. It's written, to be written. Yeah, yeah. So Something that's already set in stone. Yeah, okay, I get that. That's Starscript, it's written, it's it's done, it's set in stone. Yeah, yeah. Though, I mean, even if it's not necessarily, it can also mean that you think that it is. Uh-huh. Um, there's some nuance a, a there. Little, a little bit of subtlety. <laughs> yeah. And that's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe to Filling the Sink wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Tyg Prendeville from Barcelona Literary Tours. And uh, thanks to Killian, who was out with him. And thanks to you, Christina. Thanks for having me. We're back again next Saturday with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adios.